We are Gateway Chapel, where we build your world by His Word. We stand for fun, friendship, fellowship, and family. You are listening to a Pastor Eddie message. Welcome to church one more time, my friend. The Lord bless you in the name of Jesus. Welcome to the first Sunday of this month, the month of divine restoration. Wow, I am believing God that you will catch something from this month that will save you for the rest of this year in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I am so excited to bring the word of God to you this second month. And the God that has brought you to this month will ensure that he keeps you safe and sound in the end of this year. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, I want you to reach out to me. Should you need anything, I want to be there for you this year. So make sure you reach out to me. We have a fantastic support system in place. If you are not part of our Connect group, make sure you register and be part of this family, okay? The church has left the building, okay? So now listen, I want you to go register, gatewaychapel.org.uk forward slash Bible Connect, and it will put you in a family unit where you can be supported, and I'll have the privilege of mentoring and pastoring you. Praise God. You are blessed. Now let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name. I thank you for this first Sunday of the month, this month of divine restoration. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you will plant in the heart of everyone under the sound of my voice the desire, the exposure for restoration in every area of their lives, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the family say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this year, we have, taught, we have called this year our year of double honor. And that is taken from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. It says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, you shall have, you shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs in the name of Jesus. I'll read that again. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. They shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. This first Sunday of the month, I want you to bear with me a minute. For a minute, let me take time and pray this scripture over you again. It said, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Where, where any area of your life, where you, have, you feel that you have suffered shame, I decree double honor for you in the name of Jesus. He said, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. And so I pray that God will grant you clarity this month in the name of Jesus. I pray that God Almighty will remove every form of confusion from your life in the name of Jesus. He says, therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. In their land, they shall possess double. 
I pray that God Almighty will, through the hand of God, make you possess double in every area of your life in Jesus' mighty name. To possess double means to grow and to increase. I pray that this grace will rest upon you in the mighty name of Jesus. And he says, everlasting joy shall be theirs. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. And I pray that everlasting joy shall be yours this year in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, today I want to try and introduce to you my message series which I have called, Can God Really Restore? Can God Really Restore? And we'll be looking at the restoration power of God. We hear about restoration. We hear about divine restoration. The question is, can God really restore? Can God really restore? And we'll be looking at the restoration power of God. We're going to take a very long read <laughs> in scriptures today, 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 to 6. And throughout this series, get ready, and we'll be, we'll be going through long texts of scriptures. So fasten your seatbelt. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 to 6, then Elisha talks about the restoration of the Shunammite woman. The restoration of the Shunammite woman. Then Elisha spoke to the, to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So Elisha gave a word to uh, this lady, to this woman, the Shunammite woman, asking her to leave town because famine was coming upon the land. Verse 2 says, So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. It's interesting how she responded to the voice of the man of God. Verse 3 says, it, and it came to pass at the end of the seven days, seven years, that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines. And she went to make an appeal to the king for the house and for her, for her house and for her land. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life appealing to the king for the house and for a land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. Can God really restore? Can God really restore? And we just say, we just read this scripture. The woman that the Bible talks about this woman, that the, the man of God, the man of God, her pastor or her prophet told her, hey, you need to leave town with your family because a famine is coming upon this land. You need to leave this industry because a famine is coming upon this industry. You need to leave this city because a famine is coming upon this city. And the Bible says that the woman responded to the voice of her pastor and she packed her stuff along with her son and her husband. They left town, they migrated and they, uh, to, to, a different city, to a different city and spent seven years. She left her assets behind. So the famine came and went. And then seven years after, she returned. And she returned to find that 
her land and her possessions have been taken over. So people have been probably occupying her house, her assets have been taken, you know, given to other people, and then she decided to go see the king. And it just so happened, it just so happened that just as she was about to, just as she was seeking an audience with the king, that the king had called for the prophet's servant, Gehazi, asking Gehazi about, about Elisha's ministry. Okay? And then Gehazi was telling the king about the miracles, uh, about the miracles that God did through Elisha. And then, the, the, and especially the particular one where God used Elisha to, to bring back the, a, a dead child, to bring a dead child back to life. And it just so happened that the woman that Gehazi was talking about just so happened to be in the courtyard of the king seeking audience with the king. Now, is that a coincidence or is that a God incidence? I believe it's a God incidence. God ordained the footsteps of that woman. Listen, my friend, this year, God will ordain your footsteps. God will order your footsteps as you respond to the word of God. And the Bible says, Gehazi said, oh, wow, look at the woman. She is the one I'm talking about. Look at the son. This was the son that was once said and Elisha brought back to life. I pray that whatever it is that is not working for you at the moment, I decree a breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is that is hindering you at the moment, I take authority over it in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And so the Bible says the king then appointed a certain officer for her. In other words, the king said, listen, I am giving you an officer who will see to the restoration of everything that you own. Praise the Lord. So supernatural restoration implies a few things. And let me, or implies a combination of things. So let me explain them to you. Number one, to bring back through the power of God any aspect of a man's life to its original state in the program of God. Restoration is to bring back through the power of God any aspect of a man's life to the original state in the program of God. Just in case, and just in case there's a, God has a program for you and I, but just in case that you have strayed away from God's program because life happens and then you find that the life you are living right now, your experience right now does not reflect God's desire for you. God can bring about a restoration back to his original program for you. The Bible says concerning Jeremiah, it said, before you were born, I knew you, I ordained you, and I sent you forth as a prophet to the nation. So God has a plan for us. God has a program for us. God has his will for us. God has his agenda for us. But sometimes life happens. We find that there is a, there is a, a misalignment between our experiences and what God wants for us. So restoration means that the, the restoration is the bringing back of a man's life back to the original plan and purposes of God for that person. Number two, it also means to bring, to bring back through the power of God, through the power of God, the life of a man from a state of ruin. Bring it back. Bring the life of a man back from a state of ruin. Bring the life of a man back from a state of disease. Bring the life of a man back from depression. Bring a man's life back from depression. Bring a man's life back from dejection. That is restoration. Restoration through the power of the hand of 
God bring a man back from a state of ruin, from a state of disease, from a state of depression, from a state of depreciation, and from a state of dejection. Number three, it means, uh, restoration means to give or bring back through the power of God that which had been stolen, which had been stolen. To bring back from the, with the, through the power of God that which had been taken away. To bring back. You know, number four, it also means to restoration, also means to renew, to replace, to replenish, to recover that which was lost, to recover that which was stolen, or to, risk, or to recover that which was destroyed. And so the woman in our text, I am praying that throughout this series, I want God to whip up a hunger for restoration for you. I want God to whip up a hunger for restoration. I want you to be hungry for restoration. Let me tell you a little bit, uh, give you a, a, a little bit story about myself. I'll share a testimony with you. When I got born again, July 4th, 1988, 6 p.m., and I was told, so I was told and taught that God, our God is a God of restoration. When I got born again, I realized that I realized God opened my eyes to the benefits of being a Christian, to the promises of God. As I feeling bad, as I feeling as if I had wasted my life, as I feeling as if I would never catch up because all these promises, all these good things, I have missed out on them in my, in my, in my, in my years of not being a Christian. As I praying a prayer of restoration, as I asking God to restore me, as I asking God to, to grant me speed in life, I tell you, God heard my cry. God heard my cry. And from that moment on, it just looked as if everything I touched turns to gold. Everything I gained speed in life, I gained momentum in life. And so I'm telling you if, you, if you believe in the God of restoration, my God will bring restoration to you. Can God, can God really restore? My answer to you is yes. God does restore. Let's look at this woman. This, this continue in our message today. So we will see this particular woman. God brought about number one the restoration of the missing joy in her life. Joy was missing. She was a wealthy woman, married for many years, but she had no child. By supernatural restoration, the Lord made her joy full. Second Kings chapter chapter four verse eight. The Bible says, "Now it happened one day." that Elisha went to Shunem, that where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a room, an upper room in the wall, and let us put a bed for put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Verse 11, And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned in there to the upper room to lay down. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him, and she said to him, Say now to her, Look, you have, had, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So she said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. 
And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant, because she has had an encounter with certain men of God who had lied to her. Verse 17, But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. I prophesy to somebody here that your appointed time has come. Your appointed time has come concerning the desires of your heart. Your appointed time has come. I don't care what you hear in the news. I don't care what's going on around you. I am telling you that your appointed time has come. This year will not be a year of wastage. This year, you will not waste this year. On the contrary, the Lord, the Lord will restore unto you and the Lord will propel you forward. You will experience breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you today, if you are believing God for a child, I pray for restoration. If you are believing God for a spouse, I pray for restoration. If you are believing God for a job, I pray for restoration in the name of Jesus. And so we see here that God used the prophet to restore her child, to bring, to restore her joy. Number two, this woman also res experienced restoration of her dead son. The Bible says that um, uh, after she conceived, as time went on, one day life happened, whatever happened, that child died. And so we see in 2 Kings, again, verse chapter 4, verse 32 to 37, the Bible says when Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went, in, he went in therefore, shut the door behind two of them and prayed for the Lord, and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, called the Shunammite woman. So he called her, and when she came into him, she said, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground, then picked up her son and went out. We can see here that God restored her dead son. Our God is the God of restoration. Can God really restore? Yes, he can. Can God really restore? Yes, he can. But do you have the faith for restoration? I believe you can have the faith for restoration. And so we see here that, he said that, that the God actually used the same prophet to restore this, this child back to life. Number three, we also see that we see that God can bring, can bring, about, bring about a restoration to her city. God brought restoration back to her city. Praise the Lord. And so we see here that by divine guidance, she had to leave, the, leave, leave town. And then seven years later, she came back seven years later, sought an audience with the king just at the time that Gehazi was giving a testimony, a testimony about the ministry of Elijah. And we saw from, this, from the text that the, the king said, hey, here's an officer who will attend to you and restore all your properties back to you. Praise the Lord. And so, and so it's as if she never left the town. And that's, it. that's number three. Number four, she got the restoration of her house and her land. Someone took advantage of her, of her absence and possessed and, and took possession of her house and her land and it's as if she had nothing. But I tell you what, the Bible says that, hey, she got her house and she got her land back. So there was a restoration of her city and there was a restoration of her house. 
So restoration of her city, she had to leave. She had to leave because of um, famine. And then seven years later, there was a restoration of her city, so she returned. And then she came back, sought an audience with the king, and the king gave her restoration for her land and her properties. Number five, restoration of her profits and her gains. And the Bible says that all the profits of her land within those seven years she was away were returned to her. And so that means that at the end of the day, she suffered no loss. And we can see here five areas where God brought restoration to just one woman. Five areas. Restoration of her joy, she had no child. Restoration of her dead son, something happened to her promise and then she lost her promise and God brought back and the, and the Lord, Lord restored her promise. Restoration of her city, she had to leave her city because there was famine. And then God restored her city and then she came back to her city. When she returned, she sought an audience with the king, and then the king restored her assets. And number five, the Bible says that all the proceeds dating back seven years was given back to her. And so we saw, we saw a restoration of her profits. Praise the Lord. And so I want us to look at the promise of divine restoration. I want us to look at the pattern of divine restoration and also the power of divine restoration. Let's look at the promise. God, God, supernatural restoration is one promise that God has given to us. Supernatural restoration is one promise that God has given to us, his children, and we must at all times be, be, be hunger and desire it. If you have lost anything, do not give up. If you have a goal this year, don't give up. Don't look around you and think and feel, oh, wow, you see, nothing is happening. It's already February. Nothing is happening. Um, uh, things are not moving the way. I'm... No, it's too early. Your God is the God of restoration. I want, to, I want to encourage you to have faith and believe in God's power to bring restoration into your life. Praise the Lord. God is always faithful in his word. When God says he will bring restoration, it means that God will bring restoration. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God does not change. God is not like your economy. God is not like our nation. God is not like our governments. You see, so God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you, and observe your commandments. So God is a covenant-keeping God. Every promise God has given to you, especially throughout our 21-day fast, God will keep his covenant with you. However, there are things that you and I must do. There are things that you and I must do to ensure that we, we really tap in into God's covenant. There are things that you and I must do to bring about a change, the change, the change in our lives. There are things that you and I must do spiritually so, to ensure that the promises of God regarding restoration come to pass in our life. And let me share a few of them with us. Number one, let's, let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. 
And so you see, there are four things there I want to quickly talk about today. The first one says, if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, one, and pray, two, and seek my face, three, and turn away from their wicked ways, four, he says, then I will hear. Then I will hear their cry for restoration. Then I will hear their prayer for restoration. So the first thing there is humility. We must recognize our weaknesses. We must stay humble. We must humble ourselves before God. We must. The word says, the word says, uh, says one ascends into greatness. But the Bible says that one descends into greatness. The Bible says that the least in the kingdom shall be the greatest. We are programmed to be winners at all costs in our culture. We must be humble. Humility is required. For you to enjoy the promises of God and the covenant of God, you must be humble. If my people who I call by my name will first humble themselves, humble themselves, humble themselves, humble themselves, listen very carefully. You, have, you cannot be the alpha and the omega of your life. You cannot be. You cannot be the, uh, the, the sole decision maker in your life. Allow God lead you. You must humble yourself. You must humble yourself. You know? And so we have a culture that tells us that there's no place for, there's no place for number two. So we are, always, we are always struggling and striving to be number one, struggling and striving to achieve, and, if so, and sometimes struggling and striving to achieve without God. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. The greatest in the kingdom of God, right, the least, the Bible says, shall become the greatest. The Bible says, sitting down, Jesus Christ called the twelve and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. The least shall be the greatest. We must humble ourselves. We must humble ourselves in our quest for vision, goals, and ambition. Humble yourself. I want you to understand that, listen, that, there, that God, that God your, you should take second place and that your God is number one. You should learn to submit to God. You should learn to humble yourself before God. You should learn to allow the word of God take preeminence in your life. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says, say, do, nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain, or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Praise the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Consider others better than yourself. My brother and my sister, stay humble. Stay humble. Stay humble. Whatever you do, stay humble. A very um, a, a, a composer, a New York composer, Leonard Bernstein said, once, was once asked what was, which, which instrument was the most difficult to play. And I love what he said. He thought for a moment and then replied, he said, his second fiddle. He said, I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find someone who can play the second fiddle with enthusiasm, that's a problem. And if we have no second fiddle, we have no harmony. Praise the Lord. If we have no second fiddle, we have no harmony. And so you have to learn to play the second fiddle when it, when it comes to matters that has to do with your life. Allow God. 
until you become, until you play second fiddle to the word of God, until you, until you, until you play second fiddle to the scriptures and, the, and, and, and God in your life, my friend, there will be no harmony. There will be no harmony. And so it says, uh, if my people that I call by my name will humble themselves, in other words, take a back role, take a back seat, play the second fiddle, humble themselves knowing that my word comes first, humble themselves knowing that my will for them comes first, humble themselves knowing that their fellowship with me comes first, extremely important. And so this year, do not lose your zeal. You have started very well. After a 21-day fast, keep at it. Keep at it. Number two, this, leave no ex this, this doesn't require much explanation. Prayers. Prayers. God's people, we must learn to pray. We must learn to pray. Pray, pray, and keep praying. If there's one thing you must do consistently throughout this year, it's pray. You must learn to pray. The, your, the, the light, the light and the flame of your prayer altar must never go out throughout this year. This is the first Sunday of, of the year. Second, first, first Sunday in the second month of the year. So listen very carefully. I don't want you to just go through your 21-day fast. I just, I can, I can just a tick box. Oh yeah, we fasted. Okay, it's what we do every year. No, no, no. It's your, your fervency. You must carry your fervency throughout this year. You must carry your fervency throughout this year. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He says, then he spoke a parable, verse 1 to 8. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was a certain city, there was, a, there, was in, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said with himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This is the month of February. Will he really find faith in you? Will he, or will your faith have gone with January? Listen very carefully. They always say that after 21 days, people forget their resolutions. They forget their goals. They forget their aspirations. We don't want you to do New Year old you. No. New Year old you. No. We, you've got to be fervent throughout this year. You've got to be fervent throughout this year. The same way, the same way you came into this year with enthusiasm. This month, this month, this first Sunday of this month, you must continue your fervency. The Lord bless you in the name of Jesus. Number three, he said, we shall seek his face. If my people, whom I call by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and seek my face. So seek God's face. It talks about being diligent in the place of spiritual, in, in, in spiritual matters. Be diligent. Seek, seek his face. Seek his face. It means to consult with God. For you to consult God, 
consult God when it comes to spiritual matters concerning your life. Don't just make decisions. Find out what the heart of God is concerning your decision. Find out what the heart of God is for your family, your children. Don't just make your decision willy-nilly. No. Seek the face of God. It means consider God. Consider God. Consider his word. It means to be fervent in spirit consistently. It means to stay in the place of prayer and have a fervency of spirit throughout the year. Constantly conscious that the power of God is on the inside of you. Are you conscious? Are you conscious that the power of God is on the inside of you? Are you conscious of the works of the Holy Spirit in your life? And so the Bible says we shall seek his face. We shall seek his face concerning every and any matter. What does the Bible say? What does the word of God say? What will Jesus do? Seek his face. Seek his face. This involves faith in God, faith in his word, living in the righteousness of Christ and walking in the obedience of the word of God. Seek his face. If my people that I call by my, by my, by my, by my name will humble, their, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, the Bible says I'm number four. It says they shall turn from their wicked ways. They shall turn from their wicked ways. Like I said earlier, like I said a few minutes, a few minutes ago, listen, don't do New Year old me. New Year old me. No, 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 no. Whatever it is that, whatever, whatever it is, any bad habit that has that sort of, sort of limits you from being fervent in the Lord, you get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. The Bible says in James chapter 4, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Take an audit of your life, my friend. Whatever it is, whatever behavior or habit that is, that is preventing the full manifestation of the power of God in your life, you should do away with it. Do away with it. He said, draw near to me and he will draw near to you. It's very interesting. The Bible didn't say that God will draw near to us first. Say no, 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 no. He said, you, 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 you draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He says, cleanse, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Listen, God has promised us double honor. We should not be double-minded about it. We should not be double-minded about it. He says, purify your hearts. Purify your hearts. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. You are not a believer under pressure. No, you made a commitment. You have opted to be here right now. Listen to me right now. And that is God nudging your heart. Listen, it takes a lot to do what you are doing right now. Now that you are here, I want to encourage you. Go all the way. Go all in. Purify your heart. Ask the Lord to come into your heart. Ask God for fervency of spirit. Ask God, ask God for grace to carry out your spiritual disciplines. Be fervent. Be fervent. You were fervent in January. Be fervent in February. Be fervent in March. And be fervent for the rest of the year. Praise the Lord. My spiritual parents told us many years ago, is that consistency is the rule of the game. Consistency is the rule of the game. It's not, a, it's not just enough to do just 21, 21, 21 days prayer and then you pack it aside and then business as usual. No! There is no business as usual. It's a new you, a new spiritual you, a great you, expectant for what God is set to do in his life this year. Draw near to God. Draw near to God in your prayer life. Draw near to God in your word life. 
Draw near to God in serving the Lord with your talent. Draw near to God in serving others. Join our connect group. Draw near to God in your giving, in your tithing, in the expression of your purpose through the church of God. Come on, you got this and you can do it. Praise the Lord. We must draw near to God. He said we should turn away from our wicked ways. What does that mean? You know, the Bible talks about the sin that easily besets us. That little thing that you do, that you do, that you think no one is watching. If no one is, if, if, who are you when no one is watching? Who are you when no one is watching? And those are the things. That's, that's what the Bible calls the little sin, the little sin, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Get rid of it. Ask God for His power and His grace to come upon you and terminate any habit. It could be the habit of prayerlessness. Whenever it's time to read the Bible, you just slip off. You can't pray. You are just spiritually weak. You are not strong in faith. We have to turn. We have to turn around. We have to turn around. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so God promised us great restoration. And let me share some scripture with you. Number one, God gave us restoration of comfort. Great promises that God has given to us in scriptures. That we must humble ourselves, pray, turn from our wicked ways, seek his face, so we can come into these promises. For example, my favorite restoration of comfort Isaiah 57 verse 18, it says, I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comfort to him and to his mourners. Praise the Lord. That's Isaiah 57 verse 18. I have seen his ways and I will heal him. I will also lead him. May God lead you this year and restore comfort to him and to his mourners. And so we see a great promise here that you and I can tap into. Can God really restore? Yes, he can. Number two, we also see another scripture in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17. It says, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, this is Zion, no one seeks her. Hallelujah. And so we see the restoration of health here. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. One more, restoration of wasted years. It's in, that's in Joel chapter 2, verse 25. It says, so I will restore to you these years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust and the consuming locust and the chewing locust, my great army which I send among you. Praise God. And so you can see the promises of restoration. Can God really restore Yes, he can. And so we have looked at a case study of the Shunammite woman. We have seen that God, we have seen that God indeed brought restoration in five areas of our life. We have seen what God expects of us to tap into the, 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 the scriptures when it comes to restoration. And we have just, I've just read to you the various scriptures that has to do with restoration. So what is, what, what, what is your take on this? Listen very, listen very carefully. Can God really restore? Yes, he can. And I pray that this scripture, I pray that this scripture and this message will, will find expression in your life in the name of Jesus. I pray that God will begin to walk in your spirit and walk in your heart to begin to tap into the restoration power of God in Jesus' mighty name. The Lord bless you and I will continue next week. Do not miss any of this series. God bless you. Hello, Heavenly Father, we pray, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray for everyone here under the sound of my voice. 
I ask, O oh God, that the faithful restoration rest upon everyone here today in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for restoration of health. I pray, O oh God, restoration, restoration of their finances. I pray, O oh God, restoration of their marriages, restoration of their relationship, O oh God, and restoration in the life of their children in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name. We give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the family say, Amen. Don't miss next week part two of this message. God bless you. Well, it's offering time, it's blessing time, and this will be on the screen right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name. Lord, I pray, oh God, for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray, oh God, for the power of restoration. God's power of restoration to rest upon everyone here in the name of Jesus. I pray for restoration in their finances. I pray for increase in their finances. I pray for restoration in the works of their hands in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lord, I decree, oh God, that where they are today will be the least they will ever be in the name of Jesus. They will go from strength to strength, Father, in everything that they set their heart to do this year. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. Thank you for giving. I pray that the Lord multiply that seed in Jesus' name. Just before I close, I want to give um, you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. You know, I did this over three decades ago, and, you know, I have no regrets whatsoever. And so I want to, I want to pray with you today. If you have never given your life to Christ, this is a good time to do it in this service. All right? Put your right hand upon your chest and pray this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I desire restoration. I desire spiritual restoration. So today, I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that Jesus died for me. And I also believe that he resurrected on the, on the third day. And that right now, he is seated on the right-hand side of the Father, constantly interceding for me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. In your name, I pray. Amen. Now, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for as many that have just given their life to Christ. Father, I pray, oh God, for divine visitation and spiritual restoration in the name of Jesus. Father, plant them in your kingdom, Father, and let their purpose be clear to them in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at www.gatewaychapel.org.uk Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss another message like this one. Be blessed.